Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I want to go to that thing. How about you, huh? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for just the opportunity to study your word. And Lord, I just pray you would speak to us and and you would guide us and direct us and help us to see with clarity your power in our lives. Father, I pray that we would take what we've learned, be transformed more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We are excited about our upcoming missions conference, August 23rd, 24th, and 25th. I want to encourage you and invite you and challenge you to be a part of that. It'll be a Friday night banquet, a Saturday most of the day until middle of the afternoon. Of course, Sunday morning, you can buy a ticket to the banquet on Friday night in the breezeway. And the only reason we're doing that is we need to count and we need to pay for the food. Saturday morning, you can come. You don't have to pay for anything. Just show up. We're going to have a, a guest speaker that we're very excited about, Dr. Al Jackson, who's the pastor at Lakeview Baptist in Auburn. Some of you are familiar with that church. And we asked him specifically to come because he understands missions in the local church. Let me tell you what I mean. Al Jackson has preached missions at Lakeview Baptist Church for over 30 years. And let me tell you what that means for his congregation right now. Currently, there are over 70 people from their church. Now, these are people in the church that have felt the call to full-time mission work and have sold everything they own, quit their job, and moved overseas to become a missionary. I think there's close to 77 currently. That means people in the church, just like you, felt led to sell everything they own, quit their job, move around the world to become a missionary. In his 30-plus years, he's had over 300 people do the same thing from his church. So he understands missions from a church, local church perspective. And we're excited to have him come and to challenge us as a church and to challenge us as individual believers. We'll have some other missionaries. Blue and Darby Tidwell from New Day Orphanage, those of you that went to Zambia with us several weeks ago. Gary Udy, who's been in Guatemala with us and in Central America as an IMB missionary for almost 20 years. He'll be here as well. We'll talk about the upcoming trips. We'll give you dates for the trips. We'll talk about costs. And it'll just be an opportunity for you to learn and to be challenged. And then we'll finish up Saturday afternoon with a prayer walk for the nations. I'm excited about that. But the Lord's going to do some things. We, we put the flags up to kind of remind us of, of our calling right now. The Lord has placed on us, of course, our call to local missions to the United States. And we have people right now that are in Alaska. And we've been to Mississippi and we're going to North Carolina. And our call to local missions here in LaGrange. We're excited about next summer. We're planning a, a, a really big event, and I'm not going to talk about it right now. We'll talk more about that as we get closer to the missions conference, as we go through the conference, to reach our people. You know, sometimes the hardest mission work in the world is walking across the street to your neighbor. You understand that, right? So we're committed to local and to America. This is the flag of Zambia with New Day Orphanage, where we went this summer. This is Romania in the back. We've been going to Romania now for over a decade, ministering to those people. This is the flag of Guatemala. We've been there twice. We'll go back. This is the flag of Brazil. We're going to take a student-led mission trip to Brazil next summer. So you be praying about that, parents and students. It's for students that have completed the ninth grade all the way through college. And we're going to be going down there during the World Cup And we want to take as many students as can go to reach people for Christ and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I believe with all my heart that if we can instill within these students at a very young age the love for missions, it will stay with them through their adult life. 
We had students that went with us to Zambia, college students, and you should talk to some of those students or some of their parents. They came back, and I mean this, I'm not exaggerating this, radically changed for Christ. They came back and and had a different perspective of who he was. And so I'm going to challenge you to do something. On that Sunday morning, 23rd is the banquet that night, Saturday the 24th, and then that Sunday morning is a regular Sunday for us. We'll be concluding our missions conference and talking about missions, but on that Sunday we're going to do our yearly missions offering. You remember last year the Lord blessed us and kind of blew our doors off with the amount of money that was given. We've used that money to really speed up our missions process and speed up our plan to go to places we didn't think we'd be going this soon. And the Lord has blessed us. But I want to challenge you with something this coming August 25th. That Sunday when we give to the missions offering, I want you to give to the missions offering as the Lord leads you. But if the Lord leads you to do this and lays this upon your heart, I want you to consider something. We want to take 40 to 50 kids to Brazil. And that's a pretty ambitious goal. That's a large group of kids. And I know people are saying, well, that's a lot of money, and I'm afraid, and I'm frightened. Here, let, let's set all that aside. Let's start here. Student and parents, is the Lord calling you to go? Let's start there. Because if he's calling you to go, everything else will work, I promise. And so here's where you come in. I want to challenge you during that mission offering to help some of these students go to Brazil. I don't even know what that means exactly. I'm not sure what that means between you and the Lord. Maybe it means you give money to one kid. Maybe it gives money for all kids. I, I, I really don't know. Maybe you've got plane tickets. I have no idea. But I want you to think through that and pray through them. The Lord will lay something on your heart. But I want to challenge this church in the Acts 13 model. If we're not going, we need to send. Okay? And we got kids that need to taste this and they need to see this and experience what mission work is like and what going to a foreign country to share the gospel is like. And we want them to understand this from a young age. And I want you to do it. So you be praying about that, all the Lord has in store for us, and what he have you to give, and how you'd be involved. This mission's offering on the 25th, and of course with our mission's conference. Okay, take your Bibles, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The school year has started, in case you didn't know. Was anybody unaware of that? Anybody that didn't, didn't know that? Just one in the back. Yeah, and he's a teacher, thank you. <laughs> that instills confidence in our school system. Thank you, Larry. He's just kidding, of course. <laughs> School started, right? That's an exciting time for students. It's a really exciting time for parents, right? I had one parent tell me, the day school starts is the best day of the year. That's what they told me. I'm not sure why. I think I know why, but I'm not sure why. And when school starts back, there's this sense of excitement, right? And students start asking these kinds of questions. Maybe you're about to start college. I think we've got some college students in here. Maybe you just started high school or elementary school or wherever you are. And students begin to ask these sorts of questions. They begin to have these sorts of thoughts in their minds. I hope my classes are good this year. I hope I, I, hope I get this teacher. Or maybe I hope I don't get this teacher. Because I heard this teacher is really hard and difficult. And I don't want to get that teacher. Or they say something like this. Man, I hope that I've got somebody in my class that I really know well. I hope I get a good lunch period, right? I, I, I hope this. And, I, and the parents, kind of the opposite side of that coin, they, they, they have hopes, but they're a little bit different. They hope that their student has a good experience. I hope it's a good year for my, for my kid. And I hope, they, I hope they learn a lot. I hope they have some really good teachers that can instruct them and guide them. And maybe you're, you're thinking, I hope my, my son can mature a little bit this year. Maybe he can grow up a little bit, and this is a good year for him to do it. And I, I hope things go well. But let, let's, let's take a step back just for a second and ask maybe a more important question. As we talk about hope and as we think about hope, where is our hope? Where do we place our hope? Because there are all sorts of ways and all sorts of places and things we can place our hope in, right? 
We can hope in the world. We can hope in our own ability. We can hope in the job we have. We can hope in our bank account, whatever. We can have hope in so many different things. But Paul this morning in 2 Corinthians is going to talk specifically about his hope, where it comes from, and why it's so important. Now, Corinthians is an interesting two two books, First and Second Corinthians. Paul wrote both of these, and on his second missionary journey, Paul actually traveled to Corinth. And while he was in Corinth, he planted a church, and the church was doing well, so Paul moved on. He eventually goes to Ephesus on his third missionary journey. And while in Ephesus, he begins to hear stories of problems at the church at Corinth. And so because these problems are taking place in the church at Corinth, Paul writes a series of letters to the church at Corinth. We have 1 Corinthians This is 2 Corinthians. Based on Paul's writings, there were probably two other letters he sent to the church at Corinth that for whatever reason haven't survived until this time. And so we're going to delve in this morning, 2 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 1, and we're going to think about this idea of hope. Now here's Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. I think we have it on the screen for you. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And by the way, he's not at the church right now. He's planted the church. He's moved on. He's heard there are problems, and so he writes a letter. We do not want you, and this is the church, to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Now, verse 9. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That's a very powerful passage, packed with a lot of stuff. Verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now, as we think about this idea of hope this morning, I want you to understand something. We're going to see some truths here that that applied to Paul's life, certainly in the first century when he wrote this. These truths applied to the church in Corinth when Paul wrote the letter. But here's where it applies to you, right? We need hope in our life, don't we? You may or may not be aware of this, but the world is desperate for some hope. And sometimes they look for it in all the wrong places. And so there's some truths that I want to draw at this morning that help you understand how Paul understands hope and why hope is so important and ways we can apply hope to our own lives today. Here's the first truth I want you to see. Now get ready for this. Prepare yourself for this. Here's point number one. God's calling may not always be easy. Now I'm pausing there for a reason. I want that to soak in just for a second. Because unfortunately, there are people around our world that have kind of sold us a false bill of sale. And they would say something like this to us. If you'll just believe in Jesus, all your troubles will go away. If you'll just follow Christ, and everything will be smooth sailing from this point forward. Now, unfortunately, that's not the teachings of Scripture. See, we we need to begin, if we're going to move forward in our walk with Christ, by understanding and accepting the fact that God's calling may not be easy. And if you're making decisions of service for the Lord based on ease in your life, I think you're mistaken. I think you may miss the calling of the Lord. Now, Paul does something interesting in verses 8 and 9 here. He uses some phrases to help us understand how difficult it's been for him. 
Paul's had a rough road, and you can read through the New Testament and understand some of the things that he dealt with, but he kind of sums it up here in verses 8 and 9, and he uses phrases like this. There were troubles that we experienced, he says. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. So much, he says, that we despaired of life, and Paul says, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. Now, those are difficult words, and I don't know how maybe you would sum up some issues you're dealing with in your life or some troubles that you've experienced or some struggles that you've gone through, but Paul here seems to have a very difficult time with things that have taken place. He's looking back, and he's reflecting, and he's telling the people of Corinth, I don't want you to be unaware of how difficult this was for us. Here's the interesting thing about Paul. Paul doesn't just kind of talk the talk, he walks the walk, right? You know the person that they have a little bit of an issue and all of a sudden it blows up and they're kind of the drama king or queen and all of a sudden it's a huge issue, you know what I'm talking about. Paul's not like that. When Paul speaks about trouble, it's because he understands trouble. When Paul speaks about struggle and hardship, it's because he's been through it. He talks about his problems in Asia and he doesn't go into any specifics, but if we were to go through the list... Of all that Paul has done, we've seen that he's been shipwrecked and he's been beaten and he's been thrown in prison and he's been left for dead and he's been stoned and on and on and on the list goes of all Paul's struggles. But here's what we need to understand. Here's the bottom line for our understanding of Paul this morning. You ready? All of the struggles that Paul endured were simply because of his service to Christ. That's why he endured them. See, Paul felt called of the Lord... He knew the Lord had called him and placed a call upon his life. And Paul chose to follow the Lord, watch this, ready, regardless of what it cost him. Now I wonder how many of us take a look at our options for service and we begin to weigh them. I know there's need over there, but you know, let me weigh this. What's it going to cost? More time, more effort, more money. I'm just not, nah, not willing to give that, you know. It's going to cost a little heartache, or it's going to cost this, or I'm just not really willing to give. See, that's not what Paul does here. Paul understands the Lord's call, and Paul understands he's compelled to follow regardless of the cost. Now, here's our struggle today. You ready? This is not the world we live in, first century. And unfortunately, the world that believers live in today is a world that's filled with the desire to entertain, isn't it? I mean, we're surrounded by a world that tells you, you need to make yourself happy. You can't be happy without certain kinds of things, or without going on certain kinds of trips, or without being around certain kind of people. And so you need to do whatever it takes to make yourself happy, whatever that means. If you don't have the money for it, just get this credit card and buy it now. Pay for it three times the cost over the next ten years, right? It'll be fine, it'll make you happy, right? If you don't have the money for it, just take out a loan and borrow. Whatever it takes, you need to make yourself happy. You need to find entertainment and you need to be excited about living in the world. And Now listen, I want to be clear. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with happiness and there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But here's our problem. The more we become accustomed to being happy and the more we become accustomed to being entertained based on what the world says, the harder it is for us to suffer for the sake of the gospel. You understand that? It, it's like we just kind of dabble in this and, and, and we learn to like this and we begin to find things that we enjoy and we find ourselves doing it more and more and all of a sudden the idea of suffering for Christ seems less and less important to us. Why would I suffer over here when I can be over here and enjoy all this? And why would I give up anything for Christ when I, I can do all this and just 
be happy with my life. And so here's where so many Christians find themselves. They kind of live over here, and then on Sunday mornings they pretend like they live over here. And we're going to live in the world and be happy and indulge and all this kind of stuff. Sunday mornings we're going to come to church and everybody's going to be fine. We're suffering for the Lord and everybody's happy. And then Monday morning we're right back where we are. That's not who Paul is. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to be very honest with you as your pastor, that's a hollow Christianity. And if you're living in the world and indulging in the things of the world and kind of putting on airs on Sunday morning just because you think people want to see that, you're not experiencing the love of Christ, I'm telling you right now. And you're not experiencing the depth of his mercy and the depth of his grace. See, Paul didn't make excuses. And I think for so many people in our world, when we look at things that are hard and we begin to make excuses of why we shouldn't do them, I think if I'd be honest with Christianity as a whole and with myself, honestly, we need to stop making excuses and be willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. That's what we ought to be doing in our lives. We ought to quit making excuses for why we can't or why we won't or why we're afraid and begin to say to the Lord, Lord, I just trust you enough that I'm going to do this. You know, we talk about mission work and we talk about this upcoming missions conference and now I just I can't really tell you how excited I am what the Lord's done. Because he's just really kind of blown my mind of how quickly this has progressed and how how we've been able to reach so many people and so many people have bought into this. But I, I remember when I went to Guatemala last year and I was praying through a, an opportunity for a church and I was praying through kind of the vision of reaching the nations and what the Lord would do in this church. And he led me to this one little village. One of the reasons I really like this village and I think the Lord called me to go there because it was a difficult place to serve. Those of you that have been know it's not easy to get there. Once you get there, it's not easy to work there. There are no other teams there. There are a lot of teams that go to a lot of places and they go to big cities. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. Please don't misunderstand me. But I wanted to go somewhere where it was hard. I wanted to struggle a little bit, right? And and, and understand a little bit that struggle and understand a little bit of what the Lord has called us to do. See, mission work and service to the Lord may not always be easy, but we've got to be willing to give of ourselves. See, as you begin to think about our mission conference and about these upcoming trips and, and your mission work, whether and watch this now, whether your mission work is to go to Zambia or whether it's to walk across the street to your neighbor, both of those are extremely important and they're both part of missions. Whether those are your calling, whatever the Lord has called you to do, don't fail to serve the Lord because you're afraid it might be too hard. See, I kind of preface this trip to Brazil by saying this. Here's the first prayer you ought to have about mission work is the Lord calling me to go. Not how much does it cost, or can I get vacation days, or what kind of work's going to be involved, or how different. Just set all that aside. Is the Lord calling me to go? Because if the Lord calls you to go, guess what? He's going to provide that for you. He's going to make a way for that to happen for you. He's going to get you there, whatever that takes. You know what? Because He's the Lord, and you don't have to worry about it. But I think so many people start with this idea, the excuses, it's just too much, or it's a little too dangerous, or I can't get time off work. And all those are valid. I'm saying we ignore those things. But I think we need to start with this understanding, Lord, it may not be easy, but I love you enough that I'm going to serve you. I want to follow you, Lord. You know, I have a conversation with my children sometimes. I get calls pretty often about people that are sick, or people in the hospital, or people that have pass away and so my children sometimes hear these calls and they ask me general questions like you know why do people get sick and why do people die and you know we work through that kind of stuff but ultimately the biblical final answer to that is because there's sin in the world that's what Genesis 3 says 
Genesis 3 says that when sin entered the world, death entered the world. But here's how adults kind of phrase that question. The same kind of ideas, maybe from a different perspective. We say something like this. We say something like this. Why do bad things happen to good people, right? It's a fair question. It's a question we ask sometimes when we see somebody we love experience something difficult or we and our families experience something difficult or we go through something personally. Paul's going to answer that. I want you to think about that. Hold that for a second. Set it aside. And look at verse 9. Look at what Paul says. 2 Corinthians verse 9. He's going to sum up. Now, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Right? It's a struggle. Paul says, my walk has not been easy. And I don't want you to be unaware of that. Right? But, now watch this. This is verse 9. But this happened. Can you bring up verse 9 for me? I want you to see it. I think it's the, right. Indeed, our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened. Right? All this difficult stuff happened. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see that? See, Our Christian walk may sometimes be a struggle, but here's point number two. Our struggles compel us to rely more and more on Christ. That's what Paul says. Our struggles compel us to rely more and more on Christ. Now, we've already kind of gone through this list of what Paul had been through. All the difficult things that he had faced. But it's interesting to me, when Paul mentions these things, it's kind of like he says, you know, we suffered and were persecuted and we despised of life and we kind of felt like we had a death sentence upon us. It's almost as if I expect Paul at this moment to say, and so you know what, I've just kind of had enough. (sighs) That's all I can take, man. I mean, I've been beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and all this stuff and I've just had enough. I'm going home. I'm through. And you know, I think if he had said that, most of us would say, well, you know, God bless you for what you did do. You had a long, hard road, and you accomplished great things, and it's okay, man. I know you're worn out and tired, and it's okay to go home, but Paul doesn't do that. See, Paul has this interesting perspective on his struggles. Instead of making excuses and quitting, Paul's over here from the perspective of the Lord. And here's what he says. You know what? The Lord allowed me to go through these things very clearly. Why? So I could grow in my walk. See, when I go through these difficult things, it forces me to rely more and more and more on Christ. And so instead of complaining or making excuses, I'm going to embrace this suffering, understanding that these things have happened to me in order to strengthen my faith. It's a very interesting idea, isn't it? Because we struggle with things, don't we? And sometimes we're at a loss as to why we're dealing with these issues. And sometimes we're at a loss as to why we have to go through these trials and these struggles. And we ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, we didn't do anything wrong. We were kind of just rocking along. And all of a sudden, this bad thing happened. And why is this taking place? And we could spend a lot of time talking about why that's the case. But I think, maybe as we think through biblically the answer to that question, Paul's perspective here ought to help us. Because we understand Paul saw very clearly the reason he went through these trials was so he would rely more and more on the Lord. You understand that? See, I think if we could kind of look at our trials and our struggles, instead of seeing them as trials and struggles, what if we could see them as opportunities to grow in our walk with Christ? What if we could see them as chances for us to strengthen our faith, right? Lord, I'm going through this, and I have every right in the the world to make an excuse or to quit or give up. But, Lord, instead of doing that, I'm going to see it from a biblical perspective and from a Christian perspective. And, Lord, I see that I'm going through this, but what are you doing in my life in the process, Lord? How are you molding me and shaping me? What are you doing in my heart right now? I know I'm going through this, but what would you want me to see? What would you want me to understand? What would you want me to live out in my life because of all the things that you've shown me? 
See, if we were honest with one another, sometimes it takes God doing something major in our life to get our attention, doesn't it? We kind of drift, and we kind of drift, and we kind of drift, and all of a sudden, he brings us back. And we say, that was a really difficult thing I just went through. Why did that happen? And you know what? I don't know exactly why it happened, but part of it may be that the Lord wanted you to grow in your faith. See, I think if we could kind of figure out and get inside each other's hearts and minds, and I know that would be impossible to do. But I think if we could do that, we would be shocked at how little we really rely on God for all things. I think we'd be amazed at that. I think we rely on our own ability and our own intelligence and our own strength and the job that we have and our bank account and all, and all those things are important and those are things that God has given us, of course, and we should use those for His glory. But I think we'd be shocked at how little we rely on, the God, uh, rely on God. I think we'd be shocked if we noticed that we don't ever really notice how much He provides for us or how much He sustains us or how much He provides and protects and gives and watches over our lives. And I think we just kind of move along and keep doing what we've been doing and trying to figure out life on our own, not understanding sometimes that the Lord is working all around us and using us and shaping us even in the difficult things of life. You know, if we kind of drew a, 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 a line on here and kind of had this spectrum of different things that we could go through, we have the kind of the simple things all the way down here from you spilling coffee in your lap on the way to work or your boss is angry with you, all those are difficult things, right? All the way through to major sickness and, and illness and, and disease and, and loss of job and all those things, and I think if we were to take a step back and, and look at those things from a fleshly perspective, it'd be very easy for us to react, react poorly. Why, why are we having to go through this? And this is the difficult. And why this is so hard? I'm just ready to quit. And I can't believe when we lash out. But I think if we see it from Paul's perspective, what if we begin to see these opportunities as chances for us to grow in our walk and our faith? All right, man. I'm going to give you a real clear example. Ready? So prepare yourself for this, guys. Okay. I'm a husband and father, so I can talk about this. But I think about life at home. And I think about my calling as a man to lead my family. And I think about my calling specifically as a husband to lead my wife. And so there are, now wives, believe it or not, you sitting down to prepare yourself for this, there are times when your husband doesn't want to do what you ask him to do. Did you know that? Can you believe that? Now, that's hard to imagine in your home, because I know you've got an incredible husband, I get that. But there are moments when husbands, we just may not want to do what she asks us to do for whatever reason. Maybe we're in a bad mood, maybe we had a bad day at work. What, you fill in the blank, but there are those moments when she says, Honey, would you take out the trash? And you're thinking in your brain, No. <laughs> I just really, I just don't want to take it. You can take it out, right? You know where the trash can is. I can draw you a map out to the big green thing behind the house, and you can carry it out there just like I can, right? That's my flesh. And so I've kind of started thinking through this Ephesians 5.25. Don't look it up, but look it up later, husbands. Husbands, love your wives. That's great. And give yourself for her as Christ did for the church. That's what the Bible says. So the picture is, husbands, we love our wives and we give ourselves up for her. That means we give ourselves up for her no matter what. And so there are times when I'll be sitting there, she'll ask me to do something, and the flesh of me will say, you know what, I really don't want to do that. But Lord... Maybe this is an opportunity for me to grow in my faith. And so because of this model, Lord, I don't necessarily want to do it. And so I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pray for forgiveness because I've got a bad attitude. But Lord, in this process, you grow me. You help me learn to love her in other ways and to give myself for her in other ways. Why? Because it's the truth of Scripture. I think we need to look at all the opportunities of life like that. Instead of the negative, and Lord, I don't want to do that, and it's too hard. Lord, how are you going to use this to grow in my life? How are you going to strengthen me through this? How are you going to walk with me, Father, so I can serve you in more profound ways? I'm reminded of 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul writing says this. He says, we have treasures in jars of clay to show. Now think about putting a treasure in a jar of clay. This, this is a very interesting verse. We have treasures in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. You see, jars of clay are very fragile and they get damaged and they get broken just like us. But Paul says the Lord puts this treasure, that's us, in jars of clay, in bodies that can be damaged, to show God's power and his love for us. When we begin to think about it like that, when we get to think about God's power and God's love and God's direction, it ought to cause us to live our lives differently. It ought to cause us to recognize those problems as opportunities to see the Lord's hand at work. Now, verse 10, we need to finish up. Verse 10. You say, great, so the Christian walk is going to be hard. We need to rely more and more on Christ. Why should we rely on Christ? Verse 10. He has delivered us, this is Paul speaking, delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Here's the third reason. The reason we trust in the Lord is because there's hope in him. See, Paul has just finished verse 9 by talking about following a God who raises the dead. And we think about the picture of Christ and his resurrection from the grave. But I want to put that in a spiritual perspective for our understanding today. Not only does God raise the dead as far as Christ was concerned, and I believe he has and can continue to raise physically people from the dead, but I think Christ can raise from the dead parts of our lives that may be dead. You say, what, what do you mean, Adam? What kind of things are we talking about? Well, maybe your marriage is dead. Maybe it's just over. You just think it's done. There's, there's, there's nothing really else we can do. We're at odds with one another. Marriage is over. You know what? There's hope in the Lord. Because he can raise your marriage from the dead. Do you understand that? You say, maybe my career's over, right? I'm done. I mean, I, I worked my whole life. I went to college for this. And all of a sudden, I'm at the end of my road. My career is dead. Well, there's hope in the Lord. Why? Because he can raise the dead. You say, I, I want to be honest with you, Adam. I'm here this morning. I'm really not sure why I'm here. I came with a friend, or I, I was just curious. But I, you know, if I was very honest with you, I would tell you right now that my faith is dead. It's just dead. I don't, I don't know. I used to have it, and maybe I used to do this. But at this point in my life, my faith is dead. I just don't know if I believe. I don't know if I can believe. I want you to understand there's hope in the Lord. He can raise your faith from the dead. See, Paul says that Life is difficult. And our journey following Christ may not be easy. The more we rely on Him, the more our faith grows and we begin to see that He is who He says He is and we begin to put our trust and our hope and our faith in Him. And now look at what happens in verses 10 and 11. I'm going to finish up with this. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope. By the way, I'd like, just in your... If you're thinking through Scripture during the week and you're, you're referencing and, and kind of meditating on Scripture, you ought to think about that one. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you have us helped us by your prayers. And now look at the last sentence there in verse 11. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Here's the fourth and final truth this morning. God's glory is revealed through our service to Him. See, Paul says all these things have taken place. It's been difficult. We've suffered. We're relying more on Christ. We're putting our faith more and more in him. And then verse 11, then he says, right? All this has happened. Then many will give thanks on our behalf 
For the gracious favor granted us in answer to our prayers. Here's what Paul says. If you'll be faithful to the Lord, if you'll walk through trials with Him, if you'll trust in Him and place your hope in Him, when the Lord delivers you through those trials, you will bring glory to Him and other people will see it. They're going to be watching you. And they're going to see what you're dealing with. And they're going to see your struggles. And they're going to see all the things that the Lord has done in you and through you. And he will be honored because of that. So where's your hope? Is your hope in the things of the world? Is your hope in your own ability? Or are you placing your hope in the Lord? Because I believe if we'll trust the Lord, if we'll put our faith in him, if we'll place our hope squarely upon him and at the foot of the cross, we'll be amazed at what he'll do in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this service, Lord, and this time of study and this time of prayer, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to sing and to worship. And Lord, I pray you would just speak to our hearts very clearly about this idea of hope and where we find our hope and why we find our hope. And Lord, I pray you would just kind of bounce around in our brains and our hearts for the next little while. And I pray, Father, we would understand the difficulties that we go through, but we understand that those difficulties can lead us into growth and trust in you. And as we place our hope in you and as we walk through these trials and these tribulations, Father, you will be glorified and you will be honored. Father, speak to us very clearly in this moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity if you want to come and pray at the altar. Maybe you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you want to join this church. But this is your time now as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.